Are you an artist, maker, or creator? Then the Victoria Arts Council is for you. We offer opportunities to exhibit your work throughout Greater Victoria with tons of discounts at local art retailers and we provide education and support in developing your professional network. Visit vicartscouncil.ca for more information. You are listening to Play on Words on CFUV 101.9 FM, located in beautiful Victoria. Join us, lovely listeners, for the next hour as we... Wow, I usually get interrupted by this time. As I was saying, join us for the next hour as we... Hey, you two. Why aren't you interrupting me? Someone talking? I can't hear anything. Gerald, did you forget to turn on your hearing aid? My hearing aid? I don't need the dastardly thing. Act younger and you'll feel younger. That's what all the advertisements are telling me. What nonsense, Gerald. If I stopped taking all my geriatric pills, I'd be far in the grave by now. Don't you see it slows you down, Margie? It takes you ten minutes to swallow all your pills three times a day. That's 30 minutes a day in total. You have as many pills as I do. I don't take them. When I was a kid, my dog taught me a very important trick. He was on medication, and he always took the pill without a fuss. One day, hidden behind the house, I found a pile of pills. He'd been tricking me. I just throw all my pills out the window now. That must be why my begonias are all bent over. I'll have to get them flower-sized walkers. Uh, join us. Yes, join us. Our correspondent on the street approaches another citizen in Make Up a Poem right now. And stay tuned for another episode of Jeeves and Wooster. And now we turn to our correspondent who is stationed in the heart of downtown, ready to hear one lucky passerby come up with a poem right now. I am reporting to you from the downtown core where I seem to have drummed up very little interest for folks to make up a poem right now. I've spoken to the producers and they seem to not have any idea for how to coerce folks into making up a poem. Fortunately, I baked a cake last night and just so happened to bring a slice for lunch, which I will be using to coax a potential new poet to make up a poem right now. I'm gonna just. Uh, I'm just gonna leave this slice on this table right here. Okay, there we go. All right, now walk over here. Perfect. Okay, to keep a safe distance. All right, now let's wait. Hey, hey, hey get away! The, no, that's not for you. Seagulls can't. No, seagulls can't make up poems. The moment you've all been waiting for is here. We present to you Jeeves and the Hard-Boiled Egg. Gerald! It's starting! Grab my umbrella and empty your pockets! Did you bring the wine gums? Ah, what a sheer delight that you've tuned in. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Bertie Rooster, and you, 
Well, whoever you may be, you're just in time for a recounting of the fond memories I have of my man, my valiant valet Jeeves. Ah, yes, Jeeves and I saw many a misadventure, much like the instance when I aided my dear friend Bicky to deceive her hard-boiled egg of an aunt. The tale goes something like this. Sometimes of a morning, as I've sat in bed sucking down the early cup of tea, and watched my man Jeeves flitting about the room and putting out the day's garments, I've wondered what the deuce I should do if the fellow ever took it into his head to leave me. It's not so bad now, but before we were fond of each other, the anxiety was frightful. There used to be all sorts of attempts on the part of low blighters to sneak him away from me. Young Reggie Foljam, to my certain knowledge, offered him double what I was giving him, and Alistair Bingham Reeves, who's got a valet who has been known to press his trousers sideways, used to look at him when he came to see me with a kind of glittering, hungry eye which disturbed me deucedly. Valet poachers the lot of them. A drink for you, sir. Much obliged, Jeeves. The thing you see is that Jeeves is so dashed competent. You can spot it even in the way he irons a shirt. I rely on him absolutely in every crisis, and he never lets me down. And what's more, he can always be counted on to extend himself on behalf of any pal of mine who happens to be, to all appearances, knee-deep in the bullion, which bequeaths us the rather rummy case of dear old Bicky and her aunt, the hard-boiled egg. Miss Bickersteth called to see you this evening, sir, while you were out. Oh? Twice, sir. She appeared a trifle agitated. What, desperate? She gave me that impression, sir. I was sorry if Bicky was in trouble, but, as a matter of fact, I was rather glad to have something I could discuss freely with Jeeves just then, because things had been a bit strained between us for some time, and it had been rather difficult to hit on anything to talk about that wasn't apt to take a personal turn. You see, I had decided, rightly or wrongly, to grow a mustache, and this had cut Jeeves to the quick. He couldn't stick the thing at any price, and I had been living ever since in an atmosphere of bally disapproval till I was getting jolly well fed up with it. What I mean is, while there's no doubt that in certain matters of dress, Jeeves's judgment is absolutely sound and should be followed, it seemed to me that it was getting a bit too thick if he was going to edit my face as well as my costume. No one can call me an unreasonable chappy, and many's the time I've given in like a lamb when Jeeves has voted against one of my pet suits or ties. But when it comes to a valet staking out a claim on your upper lip, you've simply got to have a bit of the good old bulldog pluck and defy the blighter. She said that she would call again later, sir. Something must be up, Jeeves. Yes, sir. I see by the paper, sir, that Miss Bickersteth's aunt is arriving on the Comantic. Yes? Her Grace the Duchess of Chiswick, sir. This was news to me, that Bicky's aunt was a duchess. Well, how little one knows about one's pals. I had met Bicky for the first time at a species of beano or jamboree down in Washington Square. I rather took to Bicky. She was an exuberant chap, so we naturally drifted together. And while we were taking in a breath of fresh air around a corner that wasn't all cluttered up with artists and sculptors and whatnot, she furthermore endeared herself to me by a most extraordinarily gifted imitation of a bull terrier chasing a cat up a tree. But though we had subsequently become extremely pally, all I really knew about her was that she was generally hard up and had an aunt who relieved the strain a bit from time to time by sending her monthly remittances. If the Duchess of Chiswick is her aunt, why isn't she a title? Why isn't she lady whatnot? Miss Bickersteth is the child of her grace's late sister, sir, who married Captain Rollo Bickersteth of the Coldstream Guards. Jeeves knows everything. Is Miss Bickersteth's father dead too? Yes, sir. Leave any money? No, sir. 
I began to understand why poor old Bicky was always more or less on the rocks. To the casual and irreflective observer, if you know what I mean, it may sound pretty good wheeze having a duchess for a gnat. But the trouble about old Chiswick was that, though an extremely wealthy old damsel, owning half a city in about five counties, she was notoriously the most prudent spender as far as duchesses go. She was what some chappies would call a hard-boiled egg. If Bicky's people hadn't left her anything and she depended on what she could prize out of the old duchess, she was in a pretty bad way. Not that that explained why she was hunting me like this, because she was a chap who never borrowed money. She said she wanted to keep her pals, so never bit anyone's ear on principle. Ah, good day, Mrs. Bickersteth. Yes, Mr. Wooster has returned. Do come in. Hello, Vicky. Jeeves told me you had been trying to get me. Jeeves, bring another glass and let the revels commence. What's the trouble, Vicky? I'm in a hole, Bertie. I want your advice. Say on, old chum. My aunt's turning up tomorrow, Bertie. So Jeeves told me. The Duchess of Chiswick, you know. So Jeeves told me. Oh. Why, Jeeves seems to know everything. That's exactly what I was thinking just now myself. Well, I wish that he knew a way to get me out of this hole I'm in. Fancy a refreshment, Miss Bickersteth? Miss Bickersteth is in a bit of a hole, Jeeves, and wants you to rally round. Very good, sir. Well, of course, you know, Barty, this thing is by way of being a bit private and all that. I shouldn't worry about that, old top. I bet Jeeves knows all about it already, don't you, Jeeves? Yes, sir. I beg your pardon? I am open to correction, Miss Bickersteth. But is not your dilemma due to the fact that you are at a loss to explain to Her Grace why you're in New York instead of in Colorado? How the deuce do you know anything about it? I chanced to meet Her Grace's butler on the trip we took. He informed me that he happened to hear Her Grace speaking to you on the matter as he passed the library door. Well, as everybody seems to know all about it, there's no need to try to keep it dark. The old lady turfed me out, Bertie, because she said I was a brainless nincompoop. The idea was that she would give me a remittance on condition that I dashed out to some blighted locally and learned farming or ranching, or whatever they call it, at some bali ranch or farm or whatever it's called. I didn't fancy the idea a bit. I should have had to ride horses and pursue cows and so forth. I hate horses. They bite at you. I was all against the scheme. At the same time, don't you know, I had to have the remittance. I get you absolutely, dear friend. Well, when I got to New York, it looked a decent sort of place to me, so I thought it would be a pretty sound notion to stop here. So I cabled to my aunt, telling her that I had dropped into a good business wheeze in the city and wanted to chuck the ranch idea. She wrote back that it was all right, and here I have been ever since. She thinks I'm doing well at something or other over here. I never dreamt, don't you know, that she will ever come out here. What on earth am I to do? Jeeves, what on earth is Miss Biggersteeth to do? You see, I had a telegram from her to say that she was coming to stay with me, to save hotel bills, I suppose. I've always given her the impression that I was living in pretty good style. I can't have her stay at my boarding house. Thought of anything, Jeeves? To what extent, sir, if the question's not a delicate one, are you prepared to assist, Miss Bickersteth? I'll do anything I can for you, of course, Bicky, old chap. Then, if I might make the suggestion, sir, you might lend Miss Bickersteth- No, by Job. 
I never have touched you, Birdie, and I'm not going to start now. I may be a chump, but it's my boast that I don't owe a penny to a single soul, not counting trades for golfers. I was about to suggest, sir, that you might lend Miss Bickersteth this flat. Miss Bickersteth could give her grace the impression that she was the owner of it. With your permission, I could convey the notion that I was in Miss Bickersteth's employment, and not in yours. You would be residing here temporarily as Miss Bickersteth's guest. Her grace would occupy the second spare bedroom. I fancy that you would find this answer satisfactorily, sir. I would advocate the dispatching of a telegram to her grace on board the vessel, notifying her of the change of address. Miss Bickersteth could meet her grace at the dock and proceed directly here. Will that meet the situation, sir? Absolutely. Thank you, sir. I will handle the matter at once. How does he do it, Barty? I will tell you what I think it is. I believe it's something to do with the shape of his head. Have you ever noticed his head, Barty, old man? It sort of sticks out at the back. One of life's greatest mysteries, chum. I hopped out of bed early next morning so as to be among those present when the old girl should arrive. I knew from experience that these ocean liners fetch up at the dock at a deucedly ungodly hour. It wasn't much after nine by the time I'd dressed and had my morning tea and was leaning out of the window watching the street for Bicky and her aunt. It was one of those jolly, peaceful mornings that make a chappy wish he'd got a soul or something, and I was just brooding on life in general when I became aware of the dickens of a spate in progress down below. A taxi had driven up, and an old woman in a feathered hat had got out and was kicking up a frightful row about the fare. Jeeves, the Duchess has arrived. Yes, sir. There'll be her at the door now. Right away, sir. Righto. This is it, then, I suppose? Very extravagant. How do you do, ma'am? Your niece went down to the dock to meet you, but you must have missed her. My name's Wooster, don't you know? Great pal of Bicky's and all that sort of thing. I'm staying with her, you know. Would you like a cup of tea? Jeeves, bring a cup of tea. Let me take a seat, Wooster. Quite a long trip I've had. Quite the fare on your taxi cabs, too. Does this luxurious flat belong to my niece, Frances? Absolutely. It must be terribly expensive. Pretty well, of course. Everything costs a lot over here, you know. A cup of tea for you, Your Grace. Hmm, a terrible country, Mr. Wooster. A terrible country. Nearly eight dollars for a short cab drive? Just terrible. Have you any idea how much my niece pays for this flat, Mr. Wooster? Hmm, about two hundred dollars a month, I believe. What? Two hundred dollars a month? I began to see that, unless I made the thing a bit more plausible, the scheme might turn out a frost. I could guess what the old girl was thinking. She was trying to square all this prosperity with what she knew of poor old Bicky. And one had to admit that it took a lot of squaring. For dear old Bicky, though a stout chum and absolutely unrivaled as an imitator of bull terriers and cats, was in many ways one of the most gingerly workers that ever walked the earth. I suppose it seems unusual to you, but the fact is, this city often bucks chappies up and makes them show a flash of speed that you wouldn't have imagined them capable of. It sort of develops them. Something in the air, don't you know? I imagine that Bicky, in the past, when you knew her, may have been something of a lazy oaf. But it's quite different now. Devilish efficient sort of chappie, and looked on in commercial circles as quite a catch. I am amazed. 
What is the nature of my niece's business, Mr. Wooster? Oh, just business, you know. The same sort of thing Carnegie and Rockefeller and all those coves do, you know? Awfully sorry to leave you, but I've got to meet some of the lads elsewhere. Ta-ta! Hmm, a spry young chap that Wooster. Frighteningly so, Your Grace. Coming out of the lift, I met Bicky bustling in from the street. Hello, Bertie. I missed her. Has she turned up? She's upstairs now, having some tea. What does she think of it all? She's absolutely rattled. Ripping. I'll be toddling up then. Toodaloo, Bertie. Old man, see you later. Ta-ta, Vicky dear. She trotted off, full of merriment and good cheer. And I went off to the club to sit in the window and watch the traffic coming up one way and going down the other. It was latish in the evening when I looked in at the flat to dress for dinner. I hear no little feet pattering about the place. Jeeves, where's everybody? Gone out? Her grace desired to see some of the states of the city, sir. Miss Bickersteth is acting as her escort. I fancy the immediate objective was Grant's tomb. I suppose Miss Biggersteeth is a bit braced at the way things are going, eh? Sir? I say, I take it that Miss Biggersteeth is tolerably full of beans. Not altogether, sir. What's her trouble now? The scheme which I took the liberty of suggesting to Miss Bickersteeth and yourself has, unfortunately, not answered entirely satisfactory, sir. Surely the Duchess believes that Miss Biggersteeth is doing well in business and all that sort of thing. Exactly, sir. With the result that she's decided to cancel Miss Bickersteeth's monthly allowance, on the ground that, as Miss Bickersteeth is doing so well on her own account, she no longer requires pecuniary assistance. Great Scott, Jeeves! This is awful! Somewhat disturbing, sir. I never expected anything like this. I confess I scarcely anticipated the contingency myself, sir. I suppose it bowled the poor blighter over absolutely. Miss Bickersteeth appeared somewhat taken aback, sir. Oh, poor, poor Becky. We must do something, Jeeves. Yes, sir. Can you think of anything? Not at the moment, sir. There must be something we can do. It was a maxim of one of my former employers, sir, as I believe I mentioned to you once before, the present Lord Bridgenorth, that there is always a way. I remember his lordship using the expression on the occasion. He was then a business gentleman and had not yet received his title. When a patent hair restorer, which he chanced to be promoting, failed to attract the public, he put it on the market under another name as a depilatory, and amassed a substantial fortune. I have, generally, found his lordship's aphorism based on solid foundations, sir. No doubt we shall be able to discover some solution of Miss Bickersteth's difficulty, sir. Well, have a stab at it, Jeeves. I will spare no pain, sir. I went and dressed sadly. I sallied out for a bit of food, more to pass the time than because I wanted it. It seemed brutal to be wading into the bill of fare with poor old Bicky headed for the breadline. When I got back, old Chiswick had gone to bed, but Bicky was there, hunched up in an armchair, brooding pretty tensely with an empty glass in hand and a more or less glossy stare in her eyes. This is a bit thick, old thing, eh? Terrible taste to this brandy. Your cup is empty, chap. Oh, it's all over. If only this had happened a week later, Bertie. My next month's money was due to rolling on Saturday. I could have worked the wheeze I've been reading about in the magazine advertisement. It seems that you can make a dashed amount of money if you can only collect a few dollars and start a chicken farm. Jolly sound scheme, Bertie. 
Say you buy a hen, call it one hen for the sake of argument. It lays an egg every day of the week. You sell the egg seven for twenty-five cents. Keep of hen costs nothing. Profit practically twenty-five cents on every seven eggs. Or look at it another way. Suppose you have a dozen eggs. Each of the hens has a dozen chickens. The chickens grow up and have more chickens. Why? In no time, you will have the place covered knee deep in hens, all laying eggs at twenty-five cents for every seven. You'd make a fortune. Jolly life too, keeping hens. But of course, it's no good because I haven't the cash. You've only to say the word, you know, Becky, old top. Thanks awfully, Bertie, but I'm not going to sponge on you. Well, there's only one hope then. What's that, Jeeves? Sir, there was Jeeves standing behind me, full of zeal. In this matter of shimmering into rooms, the man is quaint to a degree. You're sitting in the old armchair, thinking of this and that, and then suddenly you look up, and there he is. He moves from point to point with as little uproar as a jellyfish. The thing startled poor old Bicky considerably. She rose from her seat like a rocketing pheasant. I'm used to Jeeves now, but often in the days when he first came to me, I've bitten my tongue freely on finding him unexpectedly in my midst. Did you call, sir? Oh, of course. Yes, I did call. Precisely, sir. Jeeves, Miss Biggersteeth is still up the pole. Any ideas? Why, yes, sir. Since we had our conversation, I fancy I've found what may prove a solution. I do not wish to appear to be taking a liberty, sir. But I think that we have overlooked Her Grace's potentialities as a source of revenue. Huh? I do not allude to the possibility of inducing Her Grace to part with money. I am taking the liberty of regarding Her Grace in the light of an at present, if I may say so, useless property, which is capable of being developed. I don't understand. Couldn't you make it a bit easier, Jeeves? In a nutshell, sir, what I mean is this: Her Grace is, in a sense, a prominent personage. The inhabitants of this country, as you are no doubt aware, sir, are peculiarly addicted to shaking hands with prominent personages. It occurred to me that Miss Bickersteth or yourself might know of persons who would be willing to pay a small fee—let us say ten dollars or fifteen—for the privilege of an introduction, including handshake, to her grace. Do you mean to say that anyone would be mug enough to part with solid cash just to shake hands with my aunt? I have an answer. Who paid five dollars to a young fellow for bringing a movie picture actor to tea, at her house one Sunday? It gave her a social standing among the neighbors. Well, if you think it could be done, I feel convinced of it. What do you think, Barty? I'm for it, old boy. Absolutely, a very brainy wheeze. Thank you, sir. Will there be anything further? No, that's all, Jeeves. Thank you. Good night, sir. And with that, Jeeves floated out, leaving us to discuss details. Is proudly supported by the Victoria Arts Council. The Victoria Arts Council makes visions happen by nurturing artists and connecting the community through the arts. Join us to exhibit your work, grow your network, and be part of a thriving arts community. Visit vicartscouncil.ca for more information. Until we started this business of floating old Chiswick as a money-making proposition, 
I had never realized what a perfectly foul time those stock exchange chaps must have when the public isn't biting freely. Nowadays, I read that bit they put in the financial reports about the market opened quietly with a sympathetic eye, for by Jove, it certainly opened quietly for us. You'd hardly believe how difficult it was to interest the public and make them take a flutter on the old gal. By the end of the week, the only name we had on our list was a delicatessen storekeeper down in Bicky's part of town, and as she wanted us to take it out in sliced ham instead of cash, that didn't help much. There was a gleam of light when the mother of Bicky's pawnbroker offered $10, money down, for an introduction to old Chiswick, but the deal fell through, owing to its turning out that the chap was an anarchist and intended to kick the old girl instead of shaking hands with her. So the whole thing, I'm inclined to think, would have been off if it hadn't been for Jeeves. There is no doubt that Jeeves is in a class of his own. In the manner of brain and resource, I don't think I've ever met a fellow so supremely like Mother Maid. He trickled into my room one morning with a good old cup of tea and intimated that there was something doing. Might I speak to you with regard to the matter of her grace, sir? It's all off. We've decided to chuck it. Sir? It won't work. We can't get anybody to come. I fancy I can arrange that aspect of the matter, sir. Do you mean to say you've managed to get anybody? Yes, sir. Eighty-seven gentlemen from Birdsburg, sir. What? Birdsburg? Yes, Birdsburg, sir. How did you get them? I happened last night, sir, as you had intimated that you would be absent from home, to attend a theatrical performance, and entered into a conversation between the acts with the occupant of the adjoining seat. I had observed that they were wearing a somewhat ornate decoration in their buttonhole, sir, a large blue button with the words, Boost for Birdsburg, upon it in red letters. Scarcely a judicious addition to a gentleman's evening costume. To my surprise, I noticed that the auditorium was full of persons similarly decorated. I ventured to inquire the explanation, and was informed that these theatre-goers, forming a party of 87, are a convention from a town of the name of Birdsburg. Their visit, I gathered, was purely of a social and pleasurable nature, and my informant spoke at some length about the entertainments arranged for their stay in the city. It was when they related with a considerable amount of satisfaction and pride that a deputation of their number had been introduced to and had shaken hands with a well-known prize-fighter, that it occurred to me to broach the subject of her grace. To make a long story short, sir, I have arranged, subject to your approval, that the entire convention shall be presented to her grace tomorrow afternoon. Eighty-seven, Jeeves! You're a true Napoleon! And how much ahead? I was obliged to agree to a reduction for quantity, sir. The terms finally arrived to were at $150 for the party. Hmm. Payable in advance? No, sir. I endeavored to obtain payment in advance, but was not successful. Well, anyway, when we get it, I'll make it up to 500 Big you'll never know. Do you suspect Miss Biggersteeth would suspect anything, Jeeves, if I made it up to 500 I fancy not, sir. Miss Biggersteeth is an agreeable person, but very gullible. All right, then. After breakfast, run down to the bank and get me some money. Yes, sir. You know, you're a bit of a marvel, Jeeves. Thank you, sir. Well, I must be out of bed to spread the good news. Oh, Bicky, where When are I took you? dear old Bicky aside in the course of the morning and told her what had happened, she nearly broke down. She tottered into the sitting room and buttonholed old Chiswick, who was reading the comic section of the morning paper, with a kind of grim resolution. Auntie, are you doing anything special tomorrow afternoon? I mean to say, I've asked a few of my pals in to meet you, don't you know? Hmm? There will be no reporters among them? Reporters? Rather not. Why? 
I refused to be badgered by reporters. There were a number of adhesive young men who endeavored to elicit from me my views on the city while the boat was approaching the dock. I will not be subjected to this persecution again. That will be absolutely all right, Auntie. There won't be a newspaper person in the place. In that case, I shall be glad to make the acquaintance of your friends. You will shake hands with them and so forth? I shall naturally order my behavior according to the accepted rules of civilized discussion. Oh, thank you, dear Auntie. Well, I must be off. Old Bertie has invited me to lunch. Do have a splendid morning. Oh, just think of how many hens $150. That day we went to lunch at the club. Old Bicky and I devised a plan as Bicky battled of hens, incubators, and other rotten things on occasion. After mature consideration, we had decided to unleash the Birdsburg contingent on the old girl ten at a time. Sir, the fellow from Birdsburg is here to see you. Ah, splendid to meet you, I must say. Jeeves brought his theater pal around to see us, and we arranged the whole thing with him. A very decent chappy, but rather inclined to collar the conversation and turn it in the direction of his hometown's new water supply system. We settled that each gang should consider itself entitled to seven minutes of the Duchess's society by Jeeves's stopwatch, and that when their time was up, Jeeves should slide into the room and cough meaningfully. Then we parted with what I believe are called mutual expressions of goodwill, the Birdsburg chappy extending a cordial invitation to us all to pop out some day and take a look at the new water supply system, for which we thanked him. Next day, the deputation rolled in. The first shift consisted of the cove we had met and nine others almost exactly alike in every respect. They all looked deuced keen and businesslike, as if from youth they had been working in the office and catching the boss's eye and whatnot. They shook hands with the old girl with a good deal of apparent satisfaction, all except one person, who seemed to be brooding about something. And then they stood off and became chatty. What message have you for Birdsburg, Duchess? I have never been to Birdsburg. Oh, well, you should pay it a visit. It's the most rapidly growing city in the country. Boost for Birdsburg! Boost for Birdsburg! Ah, yes, quite. Boost for Birdsburg. Say, as a matter of business, mind you, I'm not questioning anybody's good faith. As a matter of strict business, I think this gentlewoman here ought to put herself on record before witnesses as stating that she is really a duchess. What on earth do you mean? No offense, simply business. I'm not saying anything, mind you, but there's one thing that seems kind of funny to me. Your niece here says her name is Miss Bickersteth. Well, if you're the Duchess of Chiswick, why isn't she Lady Percy something, or Lady Frances some other? I'm a hound for knowledge on royal families, and I know all about it. This is monstrous. Now don't get hot under the collar. I'm only asking. I have a right to know. You're going to take our money, so it's only fair that we should see that we get our money's worth. Money? I beg your pardon? Sims is quite right. I overlooked that when making the agreement. You see, folks, as busy bodies of business, we have a right to reasonable guarantees of good faith. We are paying Miss Bickersteth here $150 for this reception, and we naturally want to know- I can assure you that I know nothing of this. I should be grateful if you would please explain. 
Oh, dear. Well, we arranged with Miss Bickersteth that 87 citizens of Birdsburg should have the privilege of meeting and shaking hands with you for a financial consideration mutually arranged. And what my friend Sims here means, and I'm with them, is that we have only Miss Bickersteth's word for it, and she is a stranger to us, that you are the Duchess of Chiswick at all. Allow me to assure you that I am the Duchess of Chiswick. Then that's all right. That's all we wanted to know. Let the thing go on. I am sorry to say that it cannot go on. I'm feeling a little tired. I fear I must ask to be excused. But there are 77 others waiting round the corner at this moment to be introduced to you. I fear I must disappoint them. But in that case, the deal would have to be off. That is a matter for you and my niece to discuss. You really won't meet the rest of them? No. Well then, I guess we'll be going. Come on, folks. Back to Birdsburg. The bus will be off soon. Well, was it true what that person said? Yes, Auntie. What do you mean by playing this trick? Uh, um... I think you'd better explain the whole thing, Becky Old Top. You see, you had cut off my allowance, Auntie, and I wanted a bit of money to start a chicken farm. I mean to say, it's an absolute cert if you once get a bit of capital. You buy a hen and it lays an egg every day of the week and you sell the eggs, say, seven for 25 cents. Keep of hens cost nothing. Profit practically. What is all this nonsense about hens? You led me to suppose you were a substantial businesswoman. Old Vicky rather exaggerated, ma'am. The fact is, the poor old chum is absolutely dependent on that remittance of yours, and when you cut it off, don't you know, she was pretty solidly in the soup and had to think of some way of closing in on a bit of the ready pretty quick. That's why we thought of this handshaking scheme. So you have lied to me. You have deliberately deceived me as to your financial status. Poor old Vicky didn't want to go to that ranch, and she doesn't like cows and horses, but she rather thinks she would be hot stuff with the hens. All she wants is a bit of capital. Don't you think it would be a rather wheeze if you were to- After what has happened? After this, this deceit and foolery? Not a penny. But- uh... Not a penny. <clears throat> what could you possibly desire at this moment, Valet? If I might make a suggestion, sir? Go ahead, Jeeves. I would merely suggest, sir, that if Miss Bickersteth is in need of a little ready money and is at loss to obtain it elsewhere, she might secure the sum she requires by- describing the occurrences of this afternoon for the Sunday issue of one of our more spirited and enterprising newspapers. By Jove! By George! Great heavens! Very good, sir. Goodness, not the paper. Anything but the paper. Jeeves is right. I would do it. The Chronicle would jump at it. They eat that sort of stuff. I, I absolutely forbid you, Francis, to do this thing. That's all very well, but if I can't get the money any other way... Wait, or wait, Francis, you're so impetuous. We might arrange something. I won't go to that Bali ranch. No, 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 dear Francis. I would not suggest it. I would not for a moment suggest it. I, I think that, on the whole, it would be best if you returned with me as I part the city. I, I might, in fact, I think I see my way to doing, too. I might be able to utilize your services in some secretarial position. I shouldn't mind that. I should not be able to offer you a salary. 
But as you know, in such a political life, the unpaid secretary is a recognized figure. The only figure I'll recognize is five hundred dollars a year, paid quarterly. Outrageous! Absolutely. But your recompense, my dear Francis, would consist in the unrivaled opportunities you would have as my secretary to gain experience, to accustom yourself to the intricacies of political life, to, in fact, you would be in an exceedingly advantageous position. Five hundred a year. Why, that would be nothing to what I could make if I started a chicken farm. It stands to reason. Suppose you have a dozen hens. Each of the hens has a dozen chickens. After a bit, the chickens grow up and have a dozen chickens each themselves, and then they will all start laying eggs. There's a fortune in it. You can get anything you like for eggs. Old folks keep them on ice for years and years, and don't sell them till they fetch about a dollar a whirl. You don't think I'm going to check a future like this for anything under five hundred goblins a year, eh? I, I. Oh, very well, my dear. What? Oh, all right then. We must celebrate, Auntie. Let's go to dinner. Bertie, old chum, I'm afraid I shan't be returning this eve. I'm returning home. Splendid. And with that, my old chum had her valuables packed, and she was off to better ways with her auntie in tow. In the evening, I sat alone in my flat, alone with Jeeves at last. Jeeves, this has been one of your best efforts. Thank you, sir. It beats me how you do it. Yes, sir. The only trouble is you haven't gotten much out of it, eh? I fancy Miss Pickersteth intends, I judge from her remarks, to signify her appreciation of anything I have been fortunate enough to do to assist her. At some later date, when she is in a more favorable position to do so. It isn't enough, Jeeves. Sir, there must be another way to reward your valiance. I've got it. Bring my shaving things. You mean, sir? And shave off my mustache. Thank you very much indeed, sir. And though it was a wrench for me, I rightly knew I had made Jeeves a happy man. Play on Words presents Jeeves and the Hard-Boiled Egg, starring Paul Rizal, Diana Draker, Sam Maroney, Yukari Peerless, Esther Silk, Max Collins, and Katie Sage. Produced and directed by Max Collins. Sound by Anne Kristen Blanken. Another tale from our pals Jeeves and Wooster. <laughs> Ahem. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe to Play on Words. Rate us, leave a comment, and review the program at www.cfuepodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This program was produced by myself, Jordan Barron, Annie LePage, Tyler Swagar, Kevin Hammond, and Max Collins. Music in this episode is performed by Vic Horvath. This episode was created by CFUV's production team. If you want to be a part of making amazing programs like this one, head to cfuv.ca to learn more.
Play On Words is made possible with the generous support of our friends at the Victoria Arts Council and the Community Radio Fund of Canada. I'm your host, Arcade. Good night, folks. Play On Words is proudly supported by the Victoria Arts Council. How do you take your artwork to the next level? Are you a student or emerging artist looking to gain exhibition experience or develop your professional network? The Victoria Arts Council is a good place to start. Visit vicartscouncil.ca for more information.